cliffcentral.com Achete, achete le morahu Oyaro na vapilu setata kote Oyaro na, oyaro na Oyaro na vapilu setata kote Oyaro na, oyaro na Comrades, fighters, citizens, welcome to the concert show on Wednesday. I'm very, I'm very impressed with uh, the way that you, uh, the way you went there. That was good. Hey, was my really friend, nice. uh, you know, I, it's not been long I since I've been retired from there. this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's going on here, Rory? What's going on here? Hey, so, here? you know, the E-Tolls situation has gotten a little bit wonky. Uh, the, the the deputy president, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, comes on board, tells us that, you know what? We're taking this to the next level, South Africans. You guys are not paying, so we're going to link this to your licenses. You may not renew your licenses. And then what happens? Uh, all those brave souls that were saying they would stand against this, it was an injustice, have turned back and saying, okay, maybe, maybe not, eh? maybe this is getting a bit too real. Our friend Cyril's in, in hot water, lads. I mean, we saw him uh, with the Marikana report that uh, Jacob Zuma said, uh, I'll be releasing uh, at the end of June. Uh, mm. I need to read the whole thing. How long is it going to take him to read a report for heaven's sakes? Yes. I mean, this guy, this is, this is, this is where, you know, this song, <coughs> this, this song becomes so relevant, you know. The song is Hoyaruna, what it so, means. So, yeah, explain, explain. Let me, let me give you a sense. So, Hoyaruna is that song that's sung, you know, on the front lines when that crowd is marching. That song means those, those of us with hard hearts are moving forward while the cowards shift back. So let the cowards shift back. We're moving forward. And that's exactly what I want us to, to talk about today. Who are the cowards that are now going to fall by the wayside as the government turns out, t- turns the screws on all of us? <laughs> uh, this is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, listen, so are you a coward? Is South African, are South Africans cowardly? Uh, what are your thoughts on it? 0861-555-189. Also hit us up on WeChat as well as, uh, Twitter, Rory Shabalala. And uh, Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. We've got a whole bunch of really interesting guests uh, throughout the show uh, talking to us about this. Shaka Sizulu. And uh, we'll be speaking to Wayne Divinage. We'll also speaking to Andrew Putter. He's a, an activist in a very different way. Um, so it's going to be quite interesting. Rory, you've got a very, you're very passionate about this. Even when you're singing about the cowards standing back, how many cowards are in South Africa? Do you think we're all cowards? Is that your vibe? Is that I, what you, is that I, what you I, want I, us look, to believe man, today? I, I really think so. So let me ask you, Andrew, uh, are you, are you inspired by Nelson Mandela? Do you, are you one of those people that says Nelson Mandela inspires me? Yeah, I mean, cheapest. I don't, are there many people that aren't inspired okay, by Nelson so, Mandela? So, so what does he inspire you to do? Uh, to be a better human being, hey. <laughs> For Pete's sake. So, so Nelson Mandela was a freedom fighter, right? So he, he didn't just hug people and sing kumbaya. He wasn't a busker, right? Nelson Mandela was this man who decided that, you know what? Even if it takes 27 years to go to prison, this is an ideal I'm willing to die for, mm. right? So we are all about, oh, Nelson Mandela, such a great guy, you know? Oh, okay, so let's be a little bit of Nelson Mandela. Let's show that Nelson Mandela fighting spirit and put our lives on the line. And if, in this case, we're not even asking you to put the, your life on the line. We're just saying, are you willing to take this to the next level? And I'm, I'm just worried that uh, I think South Africans are, are chickening out now. I mean, this is where it gets real. So you, you basically think that we're all really... What I saw there was not a problem of coaching was a bunch of losers mm. who don't have got any respect for this country, have got any respect for anybody. But what did they come to meet? Just a bunch of unbearable, useless individuals. So that's what you think we are. We're a bunch of useless individuals if we're going to let the government walk all over us. 
just because we're afraid that, oh, you know, my license is not going to get renewed. Uh, you, I hear it. I, I hear the argument. So if my license doesn't get renewed, then it means my, the, my insurance company, <coughs> excuse me, my insurance company might not cover me in case of an accident, you know. So, so I get that. But, you know, I is feel this like not, you're using this, a very specific example to talk, to say that we're all a bunch of cowards. Yeah, because this is the moment. This is our Mandela moment, man. This is, this is where we should be. This is where we should be rising up and saying, in spite of it all, we're going to stand against this. We're going to make sure that the system comes to its knees. But what are we doing? We're like, oh, no, 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 now, now it's not getting real, you know? Now, who must sacrifice? Poor Wayne Duvernay, who we're going to have later on. He has fought this thing. He's tried his best. This is the time where we must now all come together and make sure that the system falls. And I am telling you, I am telling you, one out of every two people, maybe two out of every three people, <laughs> is about to back down on us. This is the moment where we see the mice and the men. Stats brought to you by Rory Sangshavalala. Okay, so let's ask on Twitter, what do you think? Are you going to back down from this outer thing? A lot of people have been going on Twitter and Facebook, taking to these social media to to put their outrage out there and saying, oh, no, we won't do licenses. But when push comes to shove, are you going to be one of those people that buys a license or continues to renew? New your license, or are you going to be one of those people that actually doesn't? Yeah, and you know, uh, back in the struggle days, there was a, a term for people like that. They were called Magella Toko. Magella Toko is a Sutu word, means the ones who eat on the side. So they're with us in the crowd when we're screaming, <laughs> and the next thing he's paying his his eat all that that the next day. So, so are you going to be a Legella Toko da? Now. Some people also believe that this is a Gauteng thing, and, and I think that is completely wrong. This is a South Africa thing, you know. Um, an, injustice, an, an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Uh, you know, when they're done with us, uh, they're gonna come for they're gonna come for for you in the Eastern Cape in Bumalanga in Limpopo, you know. So so don't just think that there's a Gauteng thing because once they're done with us, in fact, there's a great quote uh, that, that that I'll read out a little later, uh, you know, where it says, you know, when they came for the when they came for the for the socialists, I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, <clears throat> and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Profound. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Okay, hold on. Let me let me just stop you right there for a second, because I I actually think that we have a rich history of non-cowardly acts, of people that do stand up. I mean, let's just look in, in into the platinum mining district at the moment. They uh, last year hosted the longest strike in mining history last year. Five and a half months of, uh, of striking, not earning anything, nothing, you know, no work, no money coming in because of what they believe, because they believe that they're worth more than they are. Amku was was leading the strike. Um, it's looking like it might even go into um, into the gold uh, area right now. But I mean, surely that is a, a response of active citizenry in in South Africa. These miners who have nothing. Okay, imagine you didn't get paid. No money came into your bank account for five and a half months. Stood up and said, "Listen, I'm more than just a rock jewel. I'm a human being. I'm worth more than what you're paying me right now." Well, that's it. So, so we, the middle class, are now at that point. Aha! <laughs> so now we're talking about and, middle class. And now, well, well, it, this is a middle class issue, so to speak, right? The, we're the ones driving the cars under those gantries and so on. The taxis and the buses get to go under there for free. So it's our issue. And what are we going to do? So that rock drill operator, uh, felt that he had nothing to lose, right? And we're at that stage right now. And here's the thing, and we don't get it, that when this passes, it's going to be another thing on another thing on another thing. Now, I'm not opposed to paying for stuff that I use, right? But the problem is that this is happening, number one, in a way that is non-consultative. So, so it's being imposed. But also with the amount of fruitless, wasteful expenditure that happens in government, all of that money could be used to pay for these things, and it's not. So we're dealing with a government that is wasteful. And then on top of that, we still have to have to have to have uh, additional taxes. 
taxes imposed on us. So this is the moment where the middle class decides. And I think this will be a defining moment in our future where we get to decide, is this the, is this the type of relationship we're going to have with our government, whether it's with the ANC government, with the DA government. You know, it would have been nice to have one of the poo protesters on, for example, mm. who said, no, well, we, we're just going to decide we're going to take uh, poo and throw it around, screw the rules, you know. And there are times, there are times, let's not forget that at some stage it was illegal to hug a Jew uh, in Hitler's Germany, right? Did that, did that mean, oh, no, let's stick to the rules? No, there are some rules that deserve to be broken. All right, someone who is a, a rule breaker is none other than Shaka Sizulu. He is on the line from Johannesburg. He joins us now. Uh, he organized that peace bus for the no to xenophobia a couple of weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> he, he joins us now. Rory, your thoughts on Shaka before we speak to him? Well, no, I think he's a very interesting guest. So if you've ever watched Long Walk to Freedom, um, <clears throat> the guy that plays his dad, Tony Koroche, at some stage is speaking up for people to boycott the buses, right? Interestingly. His granddad. His granddad. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> boycott the buses. And then he starts the song that we started off with, you know? So I think it's, it, it will be very interesting. So then, uh, you know, decades later, he organizes a peace bus that goes to Durban. So it will be interesting to hear if he doesn't feel that this is a fight he should be taking on. Shaga, do you feel like this is a fight you should be taking on? Good morning to you. <laughs> you just put me on the spot like, whoa. <laughs> Launch. <laughs> Welcome to yeah, it, Shaga. Welcome to it. Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, I, I've been hearing you guys. And um, look, I... I feel, you know, I feel the same way about the e-tours. I really don't like them. Um, and and I've been thinking about this uh, for some time. I've been turning this idea over in my head for some time. You know, I think e-tours represent uh, almost a frustration. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of people's frustration with a lot of things that, that they don't feel are going right with the government that they are unhappy with. You know, so the problem that I was saying to a couple of politicians uh, some time ago is that it doesn't matter what you do with the e-tolls because it's a symbol of what people don't like and what people don't want. You could make this thing cost five cents and people will see you like that. To hell with that. We're not paying. Um, you know, it's too much. Uh, because people still feel like, you know, any concession is, is a concession on their part, not on the part of the government. Mm, mm, mm. So that's one thing, and and I also have on numerous times thought, fuck this, let me go and, um, you know, I, I was I was on another radio station earlier at the beginning of the year, and I said something very silly. I was like, let's all take our eat-all bills and go build one huge bonfire, uh, like Central <laughs> Square, and you we know, should. And then, yeah, and then we can leave there. And I was also talking about like interracial love. Then we can leave there, and you can't leave until you've like got a partner from another race. <laughs> but that's another issue. So, but you know, I've I've, all, I've thought you know long and hard about yo, you know, how do we deal with this? How do we protest against it? But now, here's the issue about the state that we're in. The state that we're in is a democratic state, and it has, I suppose, uh, institutions that. It has ways in which you can disagree without uh, going as far as boycotting. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So within law, there's a recourse. So, for example, you can use the court, you can use petition systems and so on. And so within the law, within the legal framework, there is, uh, 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 there's recourse for whatever it is that people are unhappy about. The problem I think we have, largely in South Africa, is that we don't know how it works. Which is why people will say, I'm not going to pay for my electricity. I'm going to protest this and that. If I'm not happy with this, I'm going to put uh, crap on it. I'm going to put poo on it. You know, <laughs> where people... No, really, like, what, what I'm finding is that we are in the mood to protest, which I think is awesome. It's great. But it, the protest becomes more and more extreme because we don't actually know that there's a way in which we can get whatever we want done within the rules. But do you, but do you really believe that, Chaka? Because I think a lot of people, you know, when it comes to, <clears throat> for example, the textbook crisis, 2011, Limpopo, people went through the, the, the normal channels and no one was listening. Uh, HIV AIDS, Sabombeki, the denialism. People went through the channel and said, listen, pregnant mothers are dying. Like, they, they, unborn children are dying and nothing yeah, is great, being done. These are great examples because when finally, 
um, the South African state came around, and when 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 people went through the legal process, they compelled the South African state to actually address it. And and suddenly, what you saw a few years later that South Africa had the biggest rollout of antiretroviral drugs and 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 support for HIV/AIDS uh, uh, patients than anywhere else in the world. And that wasn't because people simply burned things. It was because people went through the, 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 the system, right? Um, people went through the, the, the court system. The same thing with Section 27, you know, um, it, it, where you find that you can engender or force certain institutions to do certain things that they're supposed to simply by going through a court system. Now, the problem with the ETOLs, of course, is that the court system has already said, nah, mm, we think that the ETOLs thing is legitimate. So then you've got to actually say, okay, in law, what are the ways in which we can protest against it or, you know, um, uh, go against the ETOLs that make it uh, viable so that when the outcome comes, it's not just a matter of popular resistance. Here's the one thing that I know. It's going to be hard for any government to govern if people get the idea that anytime they don't like something, they can go to the streets, which is probably why the ETOLs guys, which is why on, on ETOLs, they made such sweeping concessions, but they did not remove it. I mean, the smart thing to do is remove it. Remove it and use fuel levy. But I don't think government would remove it, because once it does that, it starts then it means that for every other utility, people are going to just say, no, nah, let's protest. And if we protest long and hard enough and not pay, the government's going to change it. I think for water, electricity, uh, whatever. You know, whatever utility we're using. So, I, I mean, I understand the sensitivity on the side of the government. I understand as a, being a, a, a consumer, a middle-class consumer, of driving on our roads all the time. I don't like the damn, uh, you know, talk. So the question is, what would I do now? Uh, and I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through the legalities. I'm going to go through the legalities. I'm going to go and get some legal opinion on what the options are. And if it turns out that there are no options, I'm going to do what a good citizen does and say, let me go and buy my ETOL, my ETOL tag because I haven't bought it as yet. Wow, Shaka. So, <clears throat> I mean, you sit in a very interesting place, right? You, 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 you are an ordinary middle class citizen, but then you've got uh, an aunt who's who's involved in government. Uh, you, you obviously have a network uh, within the ANC. Uh, how, how, how awkward is it? And 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 how how much of an inside loop do you have on this? Uh, let me let me before you answer that. I mean, two years ago, Shaka. Two years ago, before we even knew what the government was going to do, this is what you said. Listen. Up. It will never happen. But Mike, Mike, Mike they're going to yeah. do practical things like uh, you won't be able to uh, get a, a, a license disc renewed, for example, if you haven't paid certain fines. And, and you know, so uh, there's practical ways in which these things can be enforced. So, so he's a like, soothsayer, this guy. Hey, <laughs> hey Shaka, a soothsayer. Put that on your Snapchat, Shaka. <laughs> That's so awesome. Where'd you get that kiss? <laughs> We're good, Shaka. We're good. Uh, just before... Andrew, we... Andrew, Andrew, you've got to send me that kiss. <laughs> That's so awesome. But so, I mean... You know, actually, here's the thing about it. Um, it really is just logic. It's just a logical thing. Because I ask myself, if, if I was in charge of it, what would I do? You know? Now, um, you're going to find people are going to challenge the legality of withholding the license, right, um, on the basis of non-payment, and um, I think that I think that's going to go down to the wire. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. But it was a, it's a no-brainer. What would you do if you're in, in in a position? But here's the thing. Here's my sense of frustration around the It's not so much even about the amount of the payment. It's about the principle of of how things are done, mm. right, and. The problem I have with it, this is my personal problem that I have with it, is this. We're meant to collect 20 billion rands because we borrowed 20, million billion, 20 billion rands to actually build the roads or upgrade the roads, right? So we're meant to pay back 20 billion rands plus some, uh, you know, plus interest, whatever the, the cost of the finance are. However, the cost of collection will, over the next um, 10 years, uh, also cost 20 billion rand. Mm. So within 10, 10, you know, within 10 years, we, we would have um, collected 40 billion rand to 
pay off 20 billion rand. So for me, the problem is that the cost structure is so exorbitant, it's so weighty that it makes no sense that that I feel that um, the the powers that be should have been more um, pay, you know paid more attention to to the cost. I mean, you you can't run anything actually, any institution, organization without thinking about the cost structure. And I just feel as if um, maybe in the heat of the moment of having to build roads, going leading up to the World Cup, people made the wrong call. And I feel that the pressure should have been on people on our stage to say, actually, I know it's going to make you lose some face in the eyes of international guys, but do it. Go to them and say, we need to renegotiate our cost structures because this thing is really hitting the pocket of our of our citizens. And also, you don't want the state to be the biggest in uh, driver of inflation, you know, uh, inflationary mm. pressure, mm. whereby here it's electricity increases, then it's tax yeah. increases, then it's like, you talk this, then it's uh, so it's just like... I just, I just wonder, in the back of my mind, I just wonder if they had done like those old school etols, like toll plazas that we're used to, you know, the vol toll plaza, if everyone would be worked. up in arms like, like they are right now. It's because they bloody look like alien ships that the, there's a big problem. I mean, I honestly believe that. I think if you had put those etol, like the, the normal toll plazas down, I agree with you, it wouldn't work because it would increase congestion and so on. But I don't think people would be in up in arms like they are now. No, I think that would never work. It would never, ever, ever work because then that would be um, a huge bottleneck. Okay. Um, but and, 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 on, and on top of that, we now have people we can actually attack. Right. So right now it's a bit of a okay. It's just these things. Now you've got that nah, tall, you've got that tall, oper- tall operator that you can. Nah, I don't think. I don't. I don't think people would, would be so. Uh, I don't think people would be that barbaric that they would actually attack the toll operators. It just wouldn't practically work because there's a flow of traffic, and mm. the minute you interrupt the flow of traffic, you're going to have gridlock uh, that that impacts, you know, uh, that, that goes. That, so, yeah. so for for the kind of thing that they're trying to do, it, um, it it's not going to work to have any other system except the kind of system that we're using. All right, we're uh, talking. Uh, we're talking to shoppers. The only other way you could do it is if you had. A fuel levy just dedicated to Gauteng. But why just Gauteng, Chaga? Is, I mean, the, the argument what has are, been had, right? The, the argument has been had about how, you know, Gauteng contributes to the broader uh, national economy. Why just Gauteng? Yeah, you know what? I actually think that people in Gauteng also must appreciate that you, you are in Gauteng because you, you, you want access to opportunities and by virtue of being able to access those opportunities, you have a greater chance of making more money or having more money or having a greater income. There's a cost to that. And if one of the costs is that, uh, that your fuel costs more than the fuel in the next province, then so be it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a cost, of, there's a cost to, to living. It's like going to Cape Town. There's a cost to life. I don't like it, but I know that if I had to go and get a house in Cape Town, in a nice part of Cape Town that was not just sand, Send a sand dune with lots of shacks on it, then there would be a cost to that. <laughs> All right, if you've just joined the show, we are talking to Shaka Sizulu about whether South Africans are cowards, talking a little bit about the e-tolls and what, uh, what has come of this new uh, discussion. Um, Henko on WeChat has joined the conversation as well. He says, I just need to state the obvious here. Again, black people can stand together, and they do. But white people are cowards. We have people like Steve Hoffmeyer, for example. When he's doing his big speech, everybody in the crowd shouts and chants and agree. Then tomorrow, those same people sit at home and shake their heads when they want to see action. That's the overall attitude of us whites. We are cowardly. Your thoughts on that, Shaga? You know, it's interesting because I've been feeling that I, I don't hear white voices uh, standing up against um, racism enough. And, you know, the more I talk to people about it, the more I'm getting a sense. Look, the thing about it is that with black people, you know, actually, I want to take a step back and, and talk about, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier, you guys mentioned my grandfather and the past boycotts and all of that. that mm. uh, that's happening in the 40s and the 50s and 60s. But <clears throat> what happened prior to that, between the foundation of the formation of the ANC and the late 30s, 
there's almost like no one really knows the history there because it's actually a lot. And all what was really happening in that time was people were going through the legal pro- process, which is really tedious and long and boring. But because the ANC had a history of going, of doing it correctly, so it went through the illegal process that didn't work, it then went to the next process that didn't work, then it tried, um, you know, mobilization, and then, okay, that didn't get the results, then it said, okay, we're going to go arm struggle, and that didn't get the results, then it said, okay, we're going to mobilize the international community, and then eventually, because of all the different angles that it tried in a particular sequence, then it had a moral authority, you know? Mm, mm, mm. So, I, I, I think, um, um, I, I think in the, in, in, in What's happened is because black people have kind of walked the journey of going through that and starting to protest and learning how to protest and going through it and seeing the results. You know, most people, even young people who weren't there, who were born free, have a history or have a knowledge and understanding of, of mobilizing and then going to the streets and there'll be an outcome. Whereas white people, their outcomes, because the molly quadrant was just a petition. You sign something, you send it to your counselor. <laughs> the counselor says, okay, fine, we'll, you know you're a white thing. We How's love this you. guy? How's this guy? <laughs> so, so what you're seeing, what you're actually seeing is, is the result of how people were socialized over many, many years. This is why when it comes to elections, local government elections, white guys are out there in the numbers. The whole family comes. Mm. They make this thing like a picnic. Mm. Like white, black, mom, dad, kids, little kids, kids who can't even <laughs> vote, they come together. Yeah. Black guys are coming straddling in one by one if you're not Baba <laughs> At about 12, 12, 1 o'clock. You know? Ashaka, so before we let you go, uh, listen to the song, man, and and just give us a sense of, ju- you know, your final thoughts on, on where we are and what we should be doing in the context of what the song says. Thank goodness you're not an idol, say Shaga. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought that no one could hear me. <laughs> so, you, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of struggle songs, one of the struggle songs. Um, and, and, you know, when you hear them, you just get excited, you want to rise up and do something. And uh, I do think that uh, we are, as I said, we are in an age of protest. I think globally we're in an age of protest. I think there's a great opportunity to shift a lot of things that we're not happy with uh, using protest. But I think that for me, my generation, and a lot of black people in particular, it's also time to figure out how to protest using the rules. How do you use the rules to enforce what it is that you want? Um, you know, so maybe white guys need to learn how to get on the streets, because I saw white guys protesting the other day, like, um, and I snapped about it. They were protesting about the pet shop. And they were so like well behaved, and <laughs> but but also so it was so well organized. But there were like eight people, so I was like, wow, it's like a party <laughs> that you organize for your friends. And then you have alcohol and your food and you have music. You even have a DJ. You have spinning disco balls, but like only eight guys come. You were looking yeah. for the discounts in the pet shop, weren't you, Shaga? Okay, that's fair enough. All right, we've been speaking to Shaga Zulu. Thank you so much. We're gonna let you go. Uh, appreciate your time with us and uh, continue to fight the good fight. We look forward to hearing what that legal opinion is. You can follow Shaga Zulu on Shaka Zizulu uh, on Twitter. He's also busy Snapchatting at the back of many different Uber cabs. So you can check him out on Snapchat as well. Thanks so much, Shaga. We'll see you soon. All right, cheers, man. Interesting. Uh, you know, the, I was I found it fascinating to talk to Shaka about how we're socialized and how black people versus white people protest ag- about things. One of the examples that came to mind, um, and I was reminded by by a listener, was the CEO sleepout that uh, another radio station is trying to organize, where a whole bunch of CEOs are paying a hundred thousand rand to a charity. That's really good, boys and girls time, but to sleep. On the streets of Santon outside a bar. That's what they're doing in terms of their protesting. I, I just, it blows my bloody mind that they think that this is okay. And, and actually that this is the way to protest and to show active citizenry. I mean, surely yeah. it's just a stick in the face for all homeless people. Yeah, look, 
my first my first protest march was um, in 2010 actually when I went and joined one of the first marches lining against, up uh, for World Cup tickets is not no, a protest. No, no, no. In, in 2010, <laughs> the, one of the first marches against Etols, I was there, and I'll post some pictures on Twitter so everyone can see. That was for me. That was it, and 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 it's it's quite it's quite a moment, you know. So so I, I do think that there is a point at which we really need to ask ourselves, you know, how far are we willing to go. But look, we've got Wayne on the line, uh, Wayne Duvenacher, or I think it's Duvenage, uh, who leads Outer. He has followed what Shaka says are the are the legal routes. He's tried everything to get people, I mean, to get government to to get rid of the etols. Uh, this man has really fought the good fight, um, and I think we sh- we should we should ask him, you know, where. T- where to from now? I mean, we've tried all the legal routes. It, do we have any other legal angles or, you know, is this, is, does this call for protest? Well, before that, uh, let's ask Wayne, what made you decide to get up off, off your couch and, and stop signing petitions and actually do something about it? Wayne, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. What, what made you decide like this enough is enough? And I've actually, you know, st- you started this, uh, this protest a long time ago, uh, without, yeah. uh, but what made you decide, you know what, I'm going to, I need to do something about it. Yeah. Look, um, I was chief executive of Avis, uh, rent car at the time. And, uh, when we saw these gantries going up, like everybody, we said, what the hell is this all about? And Samuel came on the radio after some time, journalists were asking, what are these, Gantries, and they started to explain to society, no, we, we're going to make you pay for these new roads. We built this car. We want to do it. We want you all to go and put a tag on your car and register. And uh, we're going to take some uh, funds out of your bank account. And, and I listened to this and said, what is going on here? Anyway, we set up a technical team because Sanro hadn't bothered to engage with society, big business. And here we were, the biggest fleet owners in the country. And this was going to impact massively on our business. And um, we set up a technical task team through the industry. And, uh, and, and to cut a long story short, after a year of toing and froing, we just realized and saw what an administrative nightmare, what a mess, how they had not planned properly, uh, how they'd not taken into account this was going to impact on society and business. And then we started asking other questions like, but there are other easier ways. Why didn't you contemplate them? Why didn't you do what the Constitution says? And that is engage with society and find the solutions. And their arrogant attitude said, look, it's got nothing to do with you. We're the government. We can do what we like. And uh, at that stage, I said, this is bullshit. Um, we will not just sit back and, and take this lying down. And I got uh, rallied the industry together and said, we need to look. We've done enough talking. They're not listening. We now need to go the legal route. We've got legal opinion. And... Um, and we're going to challenge them in court, which is what we did. And, and the first thing is we did interdict the e-tolling. And that, that got society sitting up and saying, wow, we can actually stop this. We stopped them launching on the 30th of April 2012. It was a massive slap in government's face. And then they started the backlash fight. And they wore us down through, we call it lawfare, just through attrition and, and, and litigation. And, and we said, that's fine. Um, and the courts just found it too complicated to rule on. Uh, and on technicalities, they found the escape route. doesn't mean to say that e-tolling is, 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 is lawful or has been introduced lawfully. That will come out in another case when the time is right. Arthur's role then, uh, and then I decided to leave uh, the corporate uh, uh, world to fight this fight properly because it needs a lot of time, energy. You've got to be accessible to the press. You've got to be uh, looking at, at, at punching holes into Sanrail's um, strategy, misinformation, all of that, uh, which we had to find. It was a full-time job. And I took it on full-time, but not, a, not on a salary basis, just uh, thinking that it would be about a year. It's been a lot longer. <laughs> but the fact that litigation set aside um, the efforts to stop it then didn't mean to say that the system would work. We knew always it was too cumbersome. It was far too uh, uh, difficult, costly, and inefficient to work. So our role then became one of empowering society with enough knowledge to, to pluck up the civil courage and stand up against the system. And that's exactly what happened. And what you find, remember this time last year, um, Daniel and the government were threatening us with criminal records if we didn't pay, taking us to court, and we said, take us on. We dare you to take us. Here we are. Take us to court now. We're prepared to go to jail. We're not prepared to stand up. Uh, to lie down and allow you to bulldoze us in this way. And that won the day because less than 45% of people became compliant. 55% of 
of road users said, up yours to government. They drove under the gantries and they said, come and fetch the money. And lo and behold, government couldn't fetch the money. So, 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 so wait, we have, wait, yeah. sorry, on that particular point. So that, that is the masses and, and it hasn't actually cost them anything to, to do that, yeah. right? It's actually yeah. saved them money. You particularly, what has this cost you? I mean, you left a good job, um, yeah. and decided that you were going to do this full time. What has this cost you as an individual, uh, to take on this challenge? And have you been backed up by, by South Africans or have we been cowards in this? And I mean, financially and so on. Your honest, your honest, honest, honest view. You know what has it cost you, and have you received the backup that you that you feel you deserve? Well, well, individually, I mean, it's cost me several millions as that because I've set aside a career, I've set aside you know the bonuses and all the stuff that comes with that. But that's not the point. The point is that was my choice, and uh, what we needed from society was funding for the court case. That cost us uh, nine uh, or so million rand. In fact, it cost us more. But fortunately, we, uh, the lawyers, Christopher Hoffman, um, wrote off uh, about three million rands worth of wow. cost. So we settled our bill. And, and let me tell you, the 13,000 citizens did come forward and, 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 and gave us two million rand, and 400 businesses gave us uh, about uh, eight million rand, or seven and a half. Hmm. But that might sound good, but in actual fact, it was less than 1% of the road users, wow. less than 1%, came forward and gave us an average of 200 rand, once off. And when you think about it, it was quite a dismal uh, participation by society because they knew what they needed. Let me, let me give you an example. On primetime radio, hundreds of, uh, over 100,000 people listening, we went out and, and made a plea. We needed funds at one stage. Uh, all we asked for is people, when they got home, to log on to their computers, to take five minutes and give us one month saving of ETOLs. We'd interdicted it for months. We saved them Lots of men. Mm. And, uh, and we got nothing, very little. And it did make me realize the, the level of apathy that we do have amongst our society. We are good armchair critics. We're good Facebook critics. But we don't get off our asses and we don't go and do the necessary. We, don't, we won't go and camp on the lawns outside the union buildings to protest. Uh, like they do in Europe, like they do in America. So wait... Uh, we, we are we are we are betting with this factor. Wayne, now that the new the rules have been enforced regarding um, licensed discs and it being illegal, do you think that I mean, it sounds logic sounds to me that more people are are more likely to do nothing, and therefore you know the fight is up. Do you think that that's going to be the case? No, 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 not at all, not at all. I think, again, as I said, this time last year, people were worried, am I going to get a criminal record? And they stood their ground. This is less of a stick. Government's just trying to uh, grasp me at straws, trying to find another stick to hit, whip society into submission. And, uh, and I think the people are angry. I think um, the people are standing their ground. Their, 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 their civil courage is, is continuously being heightened because it's not just Etal, it's Nkandla, it's Eskim, it's everything. And people are now getting fed up. And they and, and 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 they're getting restless, and it's not a good place to be because you've got to contain that restlessness and you've got to channel that energy in the right way, and 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 this is where we need more civil action, more focused civil action groups that come together that challenge government on their accountability, and the biggest problem that we've got this society, this country, is that is that business business big business are weak big business are tendering to make the road to hang this country with. They are too shit scared of government. They are not challenging. So you've got all these lovely big business associations, and they're not standing up for citizens' rights, going beyond the boundaries of their own businesses, uh, uh, you know, protecting their own interests. They need to now stop looking at short-term profits and look at the long-term issues. We wouldn't have been in this mess if they had adopted that attitude with electricity supply, for instance. Mm, mm, they need to be looking longer-term, I mean, I, I can tell you now, on Arthur's case, 10 companies should have given us a million rand each mm. quite quickly to fund us to, to make this, program, uh, the, the, this, um, this protest and, and this uh, action that we took happen very quickly. And it, and it was like pulling teeth. We would go and see these business leaders, all of them, in the big industries, and in their hearts they agreed with us. Mm. But when they put their business suits on, they were too shit scared to challenge government because government would make their life difficult. And I said, but that's tough. That's life. 
takes the difficulty, stand together as a banking industry or as a, or as a road freight industry or whatever it is, and challenge this government because what they're doing, you can see, is ludicrous. It is wrong. And if you allow them to get away with it, you are, you are really pussyfooting. You are not doing this country any favors. So, so and I'm afraid it is big business that are the cowards right now in this country. So, Wayne, uh, as a final point, are you, are you calling on South Africans now to, to break the law? Uh, and, and, and where to from now uh, with, with, with Alta? Well, we, we don't see it as breaking the law. What we say is that e-tolling has been introduced unlawfully and it is our obligation and our right, our civil right, not to support a stupid law, not to support a law that is not in the best interest of the country. So I will not. If they refuse to give me a license, I will record that. So fine, you decided not to give me a license, not me. I was here to pay for it. It needs to be recorded. And I will drive without a license. Not, And I will not be breaking the law when I do that because government broke the law by refusing to issue me the license because I didn't support uh, another law which was unlawfully introduced in this country. That's the standard. We are going to go to court to have that argument heard because it still hasn't been heard. The courts have not heard why e-tailing is unlawful. All they said to us was we brought the case too late and they didn't want to hear the, the merits of the case, which was fine in administration law, um, but it's not fine in criminal law. And the courts have to hear that argument. So we're not, effectively not breaking the law. We believe there's going to be enough South Africans that stand their ground. We believe still less than half the people will pay new tolls going forward. And we also believe, and ours as well going forward now is to challenge, again, the legality of, of, of the licensing authorities not issuing licenses. We're working with the insurance industries. We're working with various industries. So we will fight on, but we need the public support and we need their buy-in into this case. And we will make sure that their civil courage is heightened. We're not going away because this is the most pathetic legislation and law government have ever introduced this e-tolling. It's pathetic, quite frankly. All right, there you hear it. Thank you very much. Wayne Divinage on the line uh, from Johannesburg. He is the head of Outer against e-tolls. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at Wayne D-U-V. That's W-A-Y-N-E-D-U-V for more information. Wayne, best of luck, and we look forward to hearing more. No, thank you very much. Thanks for your support. Okay, so let's just stop this now because I'm feeling like what's happening here is this is a this is a big outcry towards white people. (laughs) We uh, it feels like what's happening in this whole conversation is that white people are cowards and black people stand up and protest and don't care much for the law. What are your thoughts? Well, look. Personally, I don't want to make it about white people because we know what happens then. Then it's going to be, oh, no, you know, screw it, screw it. You know what? If you guys are just going to turn this into a black-white thing, I don't want to. And I don't want people to miss the point here. Uh, but there is, there, there are some points that have been made. You come from a culture where it's, a petition was enough, you know. You sign a few petitions, a guy sees a, a hundred thousand signatures and says, oh, flip, these guys are serious, right? Uh, we as black people come from a culture where we burn stuff up uh, to show that we're serious. Uh, and I think there's a mid-ground there. I think I think we all need to be coming together. You know, we can't keep saying, and this is what irritates me, you can't keep saying we're inspired by Nelson Mandela when the opportunities present themselves for us to live up to that ideal and we and we go we go back home and we pussyfoot as as, as Wayne Duvenage says. You know, this is the moment. If if you say you're inspired, don't you dare say you're you're inspired by Nelson Mandela if you're not willing to live up to the ideals that Nelson Mandela otherwise you're a hypocrite and that is what we're seeing a bunch of hypocrites and as Fix would say a bunch of losers <laughs> alright I think that the, it feels to me that it, it's not that South Africa or South Africans are cowardly because I really believe that there are a number of cases where South Africans have shown their, their worth in gold um, and and when- I well, you know the whole protest action in the in the in the mining industry, for example. That was, that was the whole roads must fall. These that are was, things that are happening here. Fall. These are non-cowards. Roads you know what must mean? fall. Was was and was roads fell. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> roads fell. It was just a few students who decided that they were going to do it. The rest of South Africans were saying, "Oh, is that going to change anything?" That was where most of the South Africans were. The question really is, though, Rory, is if only a few students were protesting, would have UCT made such a big action and made it so public that they were moving this thing off campus and out of the way if there wasn't that movement by the general public 
to actually get rid of this thing. But that is the significance of protest, and that's where maybe I'd argue with Shaka's point that no, we need to follow the legal route. Is that when a few people take those 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 huge steps, it makes a big impact. It was just a few students. It wasn't it wasn't the whole university. It wasn't even the majority of the university. It was a few students who stood up but made enough noise to be heard. And this is the moment when we need to be doing that in Gauteng and with other things as well. We can't keep, look, I think we are complicit as a generation. If we are going to, to, to live in a society where we have so much fruitless, wasteful expenditure, where we have so much corruption, and we just sit by and hope that somehow these things are going to disappear, it, 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 it's telling. You know, we, we look at, we look at the presidency, for example, and we say, ah, oh, you know, how far we've fallen since 1994 from Nelson Mandela to Jacob Zuma. But let us look at the citizens as well. How far we've fallen from the generation of, of the PAC, the PAC that went to Shopville and, and decided they were going to burn their passes and us who just go on Twitter and say, oh, you know, I hate this thing. And then we go and we, we stand queue and pay for e-tolls. How far we fallen? Sis on us. <laughs> I think that we must also recognize that the day has changed. Um, so using Twitter, for example, is a, is an active way of, 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 of getting your voice heard. I'm not saying it's the only way and I'm not saying it's the best way, but it is a way that Sharpville residents, for example, didn't have back in the day. What's the cost? The Sharpville residents put their lives on the line. What's your cost to put in Twitter? Two cents of megabytes to pay to the network operators. It's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, someone else from a completely different <laughs> angle uh, joining us now very quickly is a gentleman by the name of Andrew Putter. Now, he started the MCQP. Do you know what that is? No idea. MCQP stands for Mother City Queer Festival. And he started it a number of years ago. You can see Rory's already getting uncomfortable with this language. I can't believe you, Rory. How many uh, years ago was this? Well, let's find out. Um, good morning to you, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Uh, you're an activist in your own mind, uh, very much uh, for homosexual rights on the African continent. How did it start for you? What was what was your call to action? Uh, good morning. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that I would describe myself in the way that you're describing me. Uh, I... I I tend to work in a far more um, kind of personal way with people on, on more of a kind of face-to-face level. Um, and I suppose it started with having to tell my parents that I was gay when I was 16 in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, and that was terrifying enough. Um, and slowly coming out of the closet and letting other people know, you know, close friends. And then in 1994, when I was in my late 20s, having the freedom legally to be able to admit that I was gay to people was the, was the, I suppose, was the, you know, the kind of testing ground for being far more open in everyday life with people. I taught at a, at a boys high school for a long time in Cape Town, a traditional boys high school. And, uh, I made it a point to be very clear about my sexual orientation if anyone made any assumptions that I was heterosexual. Um, it felt to me that the boys that I taught mostly between the ages of 15 and 18, and obviously mostly heterosexual, I mean, the minority of us are gay, born gay, it seemed to me that it was a good thing for them to know that the world kind of consists of many different kinds of people and that the better prepared they are for those differences, the more that they can learn to live with them. Now, there's, yeah, a, there's a big... Uh, there's a big uh, movement, I suppose, happening on the African continent at the moment, very homophobic. Um, lots of countries outlawing um, uh, uh, you know, homosexuality and homosexual acts. What is the responsibility of homosexual or gay men and women in South Africa right now? In order, and are they doing enough? Are, you know, are they doing enough to make sure that their voices are heard uh, on behalf of, of, of gay people or on the entire continent? Um, Andrew, I'm more interested in heterosexual voices than homosexual voices. Of course, homosexual voices are important. But um, because heterosexuals are by far the, the, the majority, I mean, that's a kind of law of nature, more, far more people are heterosexual than homosexual, it seems to me far more important that, that heterosexual people um, rally around this question. Um, the, the Mother City Queer Project that you spoke about earlier um, has been a yearly... 21-year-long project to bring gay and straight people together in huge numbers, thousands of people, to get dressed up in costume and to party together, basically. And it started in the, in the, in the 90s, in 1994, in fact, um, when gay, gay men and gay uh, and straight men were 
very uncomfortable in one another's presence and when gay women and gay men and uh, straight women were very uncomfortable in one another's presence and when gay men and gay women were very uncomfortable with one another. That was a very fractured time. And the project, the Mother City Queer Project, is all about trying to find what our commonalities are. And, and, and what we worked with, my, my colleague Andre Forst and I, who put the project together, was creativity, was this idea that, that all of us are, in a sense, unique, no matter what our sexual orientation, and even our sexual orientations across our differences are kind of unique. So, so my sense, my challenge is not really to homosexual people, although obviously that's important, but it's more to the straight people in, 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 in Africa um, to, to recognize um, that many of the people that they know are gay, that their brothers and sisters might be gay, that their aunts and uncles might be gay, that their children might be gay, and that that's not something that you choose, that it's something that you're born with, just like one is born being straight. One doesn't choose that. Andrew. And that, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry to, to cut you in. We're running out of time, but we just have to ask this question because, uh, you know, sure. 1994, 1993 was a very different South Africa to what we have now. How much courage did it take you in that context to, to have to come up with, with the Mother City Queer Festival? Uh, were, were there any threats? Uh, did you have to show any courage or, or was this just something uh, you just did? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not so sure that I would describe myself as courageous. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it was it was scary for a lot of people. It was it was kind of a it felt like a dangerous thing to go to the very first one, but of course it wasn't at all. There was certainly no threat. Uh, Andrew, we're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately, but thank you so much for joining the debate on whether we are cowards or not uh, in South Africa. Andrew Pata, he started the MCQP. Which I, th- which I think was brave. So, so, so if you don't think you're courageous, I believe you're courageous, Andrew. Great, thanks. <laughs> I've got a, thank you so much, Andrew. I've got a fantastic uh, story about the MCQP. I will tell it uh, at some stage about what I wore to my first ever MCQP party. I was, uh, I was a promotion man there and, uh, I didn't know what the MCQP was, me being ignorant like that. And I had to wear absolutely nothing. I wore a speedo as I was a welcome guest. It was excellent. It was a great, great, uh, great welcome to the MCQP. So thank you very much for, for your time. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, Rory, we gotta, we gotta wrap things up here a little bit. Um, have we changed your mind? Are we, a, are we a bunch of cowards? I don't think we're a bunch of cowards. We I'm are, gonna stand there and believe, say it. I believe we are a bunch of cowards. Um, I think what the show has proven is that, uh, you know, people like Wayne go there and they put their lives and their livelihoods on the line for us. And all we do is we stand back. And we, we do nothing. I mean, Wayne, only 1% of the road users supported him. We are a bunch of cowards. And you know what? I believe that more people are going to fall by the wayside. And you know what? I'm also wondering. I'm also asking myself, you know, uh, what am I going to do when the license is... Uh, well, I was about to ask you. Yeah. Let, let me ask you that question. You know, So are you going to renew your license when uh, when push comes to shove? Are you going to defy government law or are you going to be one of the people that stands up? To be honest, it's very easy to speak, right? But the moment is going to come. And I'm going to have, and it's coming in June, actually, where I'm going to have to make that, that, that decision up. So let me not, let me not, let me not set myself uh, up uh, for no, hypocrisy no, 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 no. I want to. I want to defy, right? I want to defy. But it's, it comes at a cost. And, and maybe, maybe we need to, uh, you and I need to just go away and think and grow, grow some balls, grow a pair. Uh, and if you're out there and you're also challenged, then you need to grow some, you need to grow a pair. Please just approach us and find out where this ended up. Uh, it is something that we have to think about, but I personally want to, I want to make sure that I do not, uh, renew my license. All right. Well, it comes up in June, so we will follow up with Rory Sang to see if he renewed or defied the government by not renewing his license. Thank you so much to all our guests, Shaka Sizulu. Uh, we had Andrew Pata and Wayne Divinage from OTA. Speaking about whether or not we are cowards, I think that South Africans aren't cowardly. Rory still thinks that they are. We'll, uh, we'll find out if he's cowardly in just uh, under a month. Thank you so much for listening and check out the podcast www.cliffcentral.com. Click on The Conza Show. It is Rookies and Rockstars up next. Have yourself a lovely Wednesday. Change the world, everybody. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.